0: grrr attitude. If you have a child, teen, or young adult, or if you are one that feels frustrated a lot or struggles or feels down and negative and angry and all those things, or if you're a parent of a neurodivergent child, teen, or young adult, or if you as a parent experience that grrr, that frustration, that life sucks, it's hard, and we're not happy, and things just don't go right, just in that headspace, I want to talk to you about what may be going on, help you have a little bit of understanding around that, and and I want to offer some things to to help you. Our brains have a built-in, what social scientists call, a negativity bias, or it's also known as the negativity effect. And it's the idea that even when, with equal intensity, Something that's more negative in nature versus something that's more positive in nature, like with like similar intensity level, our brain will actually process the negative much stronger and much and and see it much more intensely. Well, it'll our brains will put more emphasis on the negative. And we actually saw this when I worked in a salon years ago, worked at a high end hair salon and and we had someone come train us and they they, they would talk about how um, if a client leaves the salon and they're really happy with the service that you provided, like they love the haircut or the color you gave them and and they're really happy with it, they might tell one or two people about it. But if they leave the salon and they're not happy with their haircut and they don't like or they don't like the color or whatever service you provided for them, The statistics show that 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 unhappy customer will tell seven people, which always felt so unfair. Like what? I do a good job and you might tell one person, but if I do a service on you and you're not happy with it, you're going to go tell seven people? Word spreads quick if someone's not happy with your services. And so we would work extra hard to, you know, obviously keep clients happy and and do good work and 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 then encourage the ones that are happy with what you do to to share share and tell others but that's that's a really I think great example of that negativity bias um where it's like oh my gosh I had a bad experience I got to tell everybody and warn them so they don't go get a bad haircut you know from the stylist right but you have a good haircut and you're like oh yeah great just not as important and the theory and, and some of the idea behind why our brains have this negativity bias is because evolutionary, evolutionarily speaking, if a tiger jumps out and you're not aware, you don't protect yourself, that tiger's going to eat you and you die. So the brain has developed to continually ex- scan our environment for possible danger because you know, yeah, great, good things happen. That feels good. But if something bad, like a tiger eats you, you're dead and you can't ever experience good again. And the job brain's job, the number one job is to keep you alive. So the brain puts more priority on negatives or danger. And the challenge is, is like, that's so great. Kept us as a species more alive and, and populating the earth. But in our modern times, there aren't tigers jumping out at us. There's not the level of like life-threatening, dangerous things at every turn, statistically speaking. And so what does the brain do? It's still scanning the environments for negative. And so instead of like a tiger could be behind that bush to eat me, it's, oh, there could be a mean girl behind that bush. And she might say something mean and hurt my feelings. Now, I'm not going to die because a mean girl says something mean to me, but it's going to hurt and feel bad and feel terrible. And my brain treats it to the same level of like i'm going to die if someone does that someone judges me or embarrasses me makes fun of me and so when you think about that negativity bias and our brain's natural like tendency for that then you look at someone that's neurodivergent and their brain has not developed or their brain is developing or has developed a little differently than the general population and there's specific ch- challenges with being neurodivergent because of the neurotypical world that we live in, it's designed for neurotypical brains, there's inherent challenges that come with that. And so for a lot of our neurodivergent children, teen and young adults, their brain is operating in a constant low-level stress state or high level, right? But on the lookout for danger and struggling, because they're maybe developmentally behind, maybe academically behind, um, socially, emotionally, they might be behind. Uh, maybe they don't fit into the social group, and it's very scary to the brain to be separated out from the social group. In evolutionarily speaking, that meant harm or death if you're not with the group, because there's protection with being in the group. And so their brains are registering a lot of danger and then. There's lots of times actual danger, like bullies and, and people taking advantage of them, and maybe just like even just simply being distracted. <laughs> they're, they're, um, can be in harm's way. So when you understand that, it's easy to see where a lot of our neurodivergent kiddos are in that girl. life sucks it's hard state of mind and their brains really are heightened for finding and looking for possible danger oh my gosh this is terrible this thing happened or it's not what i want and then they're, they just like really go right back into that sort of trauma limbic system um, lower brain stress response fight flight freeze response and then as parents same thing we're highly aware of our kids struggling we're highly aware of problems, we worry about our kids and when you have a kid that has extra struggles or challenges, I think we get extra protective and and want to keep them from dangers. and anything in the environment or situation that could cause more stress to our kiddo, we're, we're hyper vigilant about that. We want to protect it. We naturally want to keep our child from from more pain and suffering. And the other thing that happens with negativity bias is if you're really in it and, and like indulge in it and practice it often by no fault of your own, it's just kind of how your brain's been, the brain will even see things uh, negative things that aren't even there. Like it's anticipating danger that isn't there, or it's, it will read situations as a problem when it, it might not be, but we are so on the lookout for danger that we're like, that's what we're focused on. Um, there's a shadow there that might be a tiger, like just anticipating danger that it's not there. I see this a lot too, with like, if we feel like a teacher isn't doing what they should be doing or some like the school or supports, you know, people, um, if we're there, if they're not giving our kid the things that we, that we think they should be giving them, we get really like the stress response to it. Really upset, worried, um, kind of the mama bear jumps out and we're trying to protect our kiddo. So, I bring this up, number one, because my gosh, it's understandable. It is it is hard and there is challenges and your brain is designed to 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 be focused on and aware of the problems and the challenges, the negatives out there, but it's not the whole story. If I give two haircuts and one client loves it and one client doesn't love it, is it really fair to have a one to seven ratio of like response to that? Is that really a true picture? And when we take a step back and we look at what's going on for our kids or what's going on for us, when you take a step back and you look at the whole picture, not just for a feel-good thing, but like to just take a step back, you start to realize, okay, this isn't the whole picture. Everything's not terrible and negative. There's actually some really amazing positive things, things that are working, things are going well, but our brain has a tendency to overemphasize, and I would say over overemphasize the negatives in a lot of the cases and it makes for a miserable experience when we're in that negative state so i want to offer some things to you to kind of help combat that negativity bias that's naturally there um, for several reasons that i'll get into but one of them really is that just being able to take a step back because when we're in that negative space it's super energy depleting it exhausts us it can be overwhelming And then it takes away our resources to be able to problem solve and adjust and and make improvements. So taking a step back, number one, is that a way to push a little pause button and look at things and, and take a look at the bigger picture, not just the immediate crisis or problem or whatever is going on in the moment. I've had many conversations with mentors at our school, Techie for Life, that it's a school for neurodivergent young adults and we help them move forward with next steps in their adulting process. And we'll have mentors that, cause our, our mentors really work to build good relationships with our students. And when you do that, you can't help but truly care and connect and bond with and be emotionally invested in our students. And when you're in that space and you truly care and you're there for them when they're struggling, it is it can be really discouraging as a mentor. And I've had many conversations over the years with mentors that oh, like when one of the students is struggling or they've had a setback or they're maybe backsliding on something or, you know, and they're just so just dist- like struggling and feeling like, gosh, is anything I'm doing even helping? Or it can be a really discouraging place to be. And because I'm not in the daily trenches as the admissions and marketing director, I'm, I'm kind of on the outside of things a little bit. I mean, I do come in and I do have relationships with students, but it's not like the more intense, like our mentors, I come in and teach life skills and things like that, do coaching, but like our mentors are in the daily trenches walking with our students through life. And because I'm a little bit more on the outside, I'm able to see, like I come in, and I'll be like, wow, like I, it's just more readily apparent to me that a growth that our students are having and progress they're making. And so, I've had many conversations with mentors that when they're discouraged, I'm like, yeah, but do you remember <laughs> like just a few months ago when that, right? Like something was going on, or they were struggling with something and they've overcome, or look how far they've come, and or it'll be. Like, oh, they're they're struggling in this class and they haven't turned in their paper and now they're all stressed and they're shutting down and starting to crash. And oh no. And it's like, yeah, but remember when they first came here and they they couldn't do school, they they failed out of college, but they're they're doing it now. Or this is their first time to take a college classes. Like this is a huge win. This is a great, great problem to be having. Because they're in school, they're actually having this problem, even. Or if it's their first job and they're struggling in the job and it's like yeah but before this job they never had had a job before this is a, this is huge progress They're so even in this place like look how far they've come or if they're struggling socially it's like oh this is like before they came they were just in their room or, or living in the basement all the time and never had any friends to even have a conflict or a struggle with so i'm able to see that because i'm not in the trenches and and I want to offer to you that taking a little step back and, and looking at that bigger picture can be really helpful, help you realize, oh, it's not just terrible. Look how far we've come. Look at the growth, look at the progress. Yes, we've had times where they backslide in the past and then they move forward again. It's it's not all terrible and woe. Woe is me. Yes, it's hard. But that little pause to take a step back is super helpful. And then one of the biggest things that I've found to be helpful in sort of combating that attitude that that our kiddos can get into or that we as as parents or mentors might fall into is a gratitude practice and you've probably heard that and lots of people talk about it but i won't i want to share with you why it's so valuable when you're parenting or a neurodivergent child teen or young adult because of that negativity bias our brain is hardwired for the negative. A gratitude practice, a daily practice, can help combat that. Can kind of help balance out. Can be that break up that seven to one negativity ratio. Like with a hair client, it, it helps counterbalance the negativity and helps train our brain to not just focus on negatives and indulge in that and go into it and spiral down in that, but to to also acknowledge the positives. And however you want to do it, there's lots of ways to implement a gratitude practice. If you if you haven't, a few of the things that I do is I regularly pray because I'm religious, and so I've and I express gratitude when I pray, and I and I purposely in my personal prayers try to express gratitude for not just the typical stuff every time, other things. But I'll also do it like in the car when I'm driving or before I go to bed at night as I'm laying my head on my pillow. I like to just maybe think of three things that I'm really grateful for. And I like to pick one maybe bigger one and then like one little detail, one smaller thing and different ones. Like I I just like to see if I can think of different things that I'm I'm grateful for. And not only does it feel good, but it does counterbalance. The abundant negatives that, that our brain is on the lookout for. But it also helps us build resilience, that ability to bounce back. When we start to train our brain to also see things to be grateful for, it helps us when we're in that negative place to be able to like, oh, but there's also some positives here too. And I'm not saying, and please don't hear me say, yeah, slap a positivity Band-Aid on your festering negative wound. Like That's not what I'm saying here. That doesn't heal anything. That doesn't help to be fake. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to think positive about something that I actually really believe is a negative thing. But what a gratitude practice can do is help you go from, yeah, this is hard. And, not or, but and. There's also some things that that I'm grateful for in it. It doesn't have to be, oh, things are terrible to flip it to, oh, things are wonderful. It can just be like, yeah, this is really hard. And I'm grateful for this or that that's helping me through it. Or I'm grateful I don't have to deal with other things. There's always something you can be grateful for as you're going through a hard thing. So it can look like, yeah, this sucks. And I'm still grateful. We don't have to go all the way to oh, and it's great and wonderful, and the rain- the world is happy, rainbows and daisies and unicorns. So it a gratitude practice can help serve us to sort of counterbalance those negative that negativity bias that built in natural tendency of our brains. It help us ba- bounce back and have more resilience. It can actually help us feel more supported because we. Actually, start to acknowledge and be grateful for the supports we do have, even if we don't have all the supports we want. There are supports in your life, I promise you. And so being able to, to see those and acknowledge them, not take them for granted. A gratitude practice helps train your brain to take a little pause and see the whole picture and see see all of it, not see the negative and see the positive. And one of the real big benefits, too, is If we're as parents and mentors practicing gratitude daily and training our brains, we're modeling that for our neurodivergent kiddos, that it's sometimes harder for them to get there. And as we do that and we express it and share it and make it a part of us, a lot of our neurodivergent kiddos have very black and white, rigid thinking, and it helps them be able to sort of see the both like you can be black and white right it 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 doesn't have to be all or nothing it can be something in the middle Um, it can be both which it can be a challenging concept to get because that black and white thinking often feels very protective to the brain but when we're able to hold space for both like yeah this is hard and there's things i'm grateful for in it at the same time We share that with them. It helps to soften some of that rigidity, helps them see beyond just black and white and see more color in their life. And overall, it's just a a way to improve quality of life. I mean, everybody benefits, I think, from a a gratitude practice. But when you're looking at our neurodivergent young people and, and parenting them, I think there's added benefits to that space of like, yeah, it's hard, it is, and I feel you. And I'm so grateful that I get to be here with you in it, that we're not alone going through it together. Um, this was something that really helped me when we were working to have our family to, to be able to adopt our three boys and then doing infertility and in vitro to have our girls it was a lot of work to get each one of our kids. I mean, doing foster care and then like deciding to adopt and then it takes another year and a half, two years before the adoption is finalized. It's a long time to like feel like at any time your hope of adopting this child won't work out that something could happen. And doing infertility, that, that's a whole up and down emotional roller coaster, not knowing what's going to happen. I mean, I would sit in that that doctor's office and hear people talk about how they were on their third and fourth in vitro cycle and not Getting pregnant, and I, we didn't have the money to do that. Like we got we to conceive Dana, we had one shot at it. Like that's all the money we had, and it was just one shot. And it was like, oh boy. And I just decided, you know, no matter what happens, I'm just going to be grateful that we actually have the money to to go in and do this. And every step of the way, I'm just grateful to be a little further or a little closer to possibly having a baby than I was before. And that that gratitude feeling of like I'm just going to be grateful for where I'm at as far as I'm getting. And if if it doesn't work out, I'm just grateful that I had an opportunity to try. Um, it, it saved me and it helped me be able to be resilient through that process. And uh, when we finally had a baby, well, even with our, our one son that we got when he was three and he wasn't potty trained, it took him about a year. Um, obviously, because he had trauma and things going on, it just, you know, you have to work through some, through some things to be able to potty train. But I was like the happiest poopy diaper changer you'll ever find because a poopy diaper. And yeah, obviously it's stinky and gross and it's not my favorite first pick of things to do in life to wipe poop off a bum. But changing a poopy in my mind meant I had a child to change a poopy for. I had a little baby to actually change their poopy. And I was happy to be able to be there to do it and, and to have a child to be able to do that with. And this is super embarrassing and I'm going to share it, but I I really did feel joy. I was really happy. Like I saw Poopy as like, I could ch- change this baby's diaper. And I had a song that I would sing that I made up that just expressed how I felt. And it was I would sing it every time I would change Poopies and it was, you've got a Poopy shout hooray. I'm gonna change your poopy today. I'm gonna change your poopy for you. Happy poopy, poo-poo. And just playing, having fun with it. We're changing a poopy, and I'm grateful to be changing a poopy. And, you know, it is actually kind of funny with our younger kids. We just had spontaneous songs coming out of us. You know, people that watch Musicals, and they think this is so weird. Like, real life isn't like this. People don't go around singing songs. And I don't know, in our house, when we had littles, (laughs) it was a little bit of a musical in our house. We just had Jason, too. The songs that come out of him are hilarious, but just singing through life. I mean, but gosh, why not, right? Like, if you're not singing and laughing, you're crying. So I, I pick singing more of the time, but a good cry can feel good, too. But my point is, My biggest tip, if you're in that grrr attitude, is is gratitude, is that sort of counterbalance to those hard things. And we can have space for both. And why not open up a little space for both? And yeah, it actually does kind of feel a little better too. And I think it feels really good when you acknowledge both. It's not just and or, like it isn't just, oh, only gratitude and never grrr. No, it's like, yeah, we can be in the grrr and we can be in the gratitude. And that's really honest and fair and a little more balanced. I hope you have a great week and I appreciate you being here and because I know you you care about your kiddos. That's why you're here. And I appreciate that because the more we, we do work for ourselves as parents and mentors, the more positive impact we're having on our neurodivergent children, teens, and young adults that, that need our help and support and love. and and the better world that we have to live in if they're doing better anyway have an amazing week take care thanks for joining us on this episode of autism and neurodiversity with jason and debbie if you want to learn more about our work come visit us at jasondebbie.com. com. that's j-a-s-o-n-d-e-b-b-i-e.com